0: Two, ready, one. Hello, and welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Ben Sterrell, the founder of Mission USA.
1: This is not a real show.
0: Well, it never has been, but it's mean to say it out loud. <laughs> Also joining us Director of Mission News of Brewer. Greetings! Not joining us tonight due to a host of technical difficulties for which I will find and personally hold accountable some high-level executive at the Apple Corporation. We are not joined by regular co host one of the pastors of Community Church, Lee Younger. As far as we know, he's still stuck in the tube somewhere. Yeah. Wow. Trapped in the eternal FaceTime jail. But we soldier on instead. We have some wonderful questions. We have Glenn, who is officially under protest. We just want to mention that because... Whenever he comes back, we always ask, "Well, was Glenn under protest?" and we want to get that on the record.
1: Officially, I'm under protest. This is all just some sham. Would you
2: describe this show as a cruel charade? It is a cruel charade. Okay. Who
0: had some pretty good disco albums in the '70s? <laughs> it's
2: it's an, a, it's a
1: an absurd facade. Ooh!
0: Again, things that have been true for some 368 episodes, but for some reason, we're hanging a light on right now.
1: <laughs> this is
2: some bizarre Potemkin's village That's a, a podcast.
0: That is a deep Russian cut, man. Whoa. Yeah,
2: that's whoa. Do you want to cry out, this has gone on too long? Yeah. I well, think the no, audience I, does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotta ask, because this is one of my favorites. Do you feel like you could pound your fist on the table and scream, I can remain silent no longer?
1: I, I, I feel like that. I don't have the energy for it, but yeah. But I like mean, internally, that's, that's where in, you're internally, at. Internally, that's 100% where I'm at. Okay.
2: You know cool. what I would like?
0: I would like someone who does that, but it's only very positive things. <laughs> I can remain silent no longer. Kittens are adorable. Anyway, everybody enjoy your dinners. All right. Just wanted to get that out there. Well, we still draw with all that. But first, unfortunately, very unfortunately, I have to declare an emergency. Whoa, what? Uh, whoa. and Let's this deal. We have many genres of emergency on this program. We have a wacky Christian thing that the yeah. church is doing. We have an insane bit of media that someone has... Kindly sent along to us a movie or a book or whatnot. Mm-hmm. We have an occasional crazy thing that happened at the bridge. Right. And then there's my least favorite, Ooh. but one that we're going to have to lodge another entry in tonight, and that's Insane Things That Happened to Matt.
2: Okay. okay.
0: And we have, gentlemen, what I can only describe as a strong contender. Okay. okay. I know Jed has seen this in the social media, so I'm not sure if Glenn is hearing this story in real time or not. We'll all find out together. So I'm I'm I'm
1: I've I've been off social media for a while. Well,
0: you're in for a treat. Okay. Um, so last uh we recorded this on Sunday night. Last night I I'm returning home to my to my home from uh downtown. I'm hanging out with my lovely girlfriend, Miss Jenna. Yeah. We went to see the Detective Pikachu. It was delightful. Oh fantastic. So, oh, love free that. recommendation there, you know. Whoever owns whoever owns Pokemon, I don't really know, but if if you want to throw some money, we'd be
2: thrilled to have you.
1: I think that's Mr. Pokemon. Oh. Yeah. I well, I'm not I enjoyed his movie. Don't quote me on it. Yes. I think his name is Mr. Pokemon.
2: Reginald Pokemon. Oh, yeah.
0: That sounds like the main character. If Pokemon was a Japanese video game made in the 80s, (laughs) you must catch Mr. Pokemon. But so I'm returning that on the the brown line here in Chicago on the the L train. And I'm at my stop where you can transfer over to the next one. And I get up, as you do. So I've got a backpack with a like a full Nalgene water bottle, and like a one liter mm. water bottle. Which fancy? Ima- imagine in your mind how hard that plastic is, and how much a liter of full of water weighs. Get that in your mind, because it had uh, come loose out of the package, so it was, it was hanging on by like a little carabiner I had. So I go to do what in my mind is a pretty dramatic, you know, swoop on the backpack, you know, swinging around. Yeah, this uh, bottle full, swing around, and hit me right in the uh, the nerve on your funny bone. Okay, so my whole arm immediately went numb. And this happens when you go numb. I got a little bit lightheaded. Okay. And I think to myself, well, I better get off this train, grab a seat, and just rest up for a minute. Right. That's the last thought I have before I have the next thought, which is, why I'm on the floor of this train? <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Slumped against the door of the brown line as it pulls into, luckily, only its next stop.
1: <laughs> okay. So this wasn't down for that
0: long. Okay. And here's the part of this story that I love. So you full-on heart. fainted... Full on, on passed out. Train. Just yeah. Hit punch essentially hitting the nerve, hit in the nerve with a hammer made <laughs> <Okay>. of water. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: And just six feet, two hundred and ten pounds of mat just right. crumpled into the corner. And now this becomes less a story about me and more a story about our fair city. Yeah. Um, I come to on the ground, realize I'm on the ground. I I don't right. imagine the the fall was quiet or graceful. Right. Um Look up, and everyone on this train is staring straight ahead, making okay. no eye movement at all.
1: But they had contacted some form of medical professional. Nope. No, uh... no,
0: no. I was also in the uh, the very front car. So if you're in an L-Train and the way that works in Chicago, the front one is where the uh, conductor is. Right. And uh, he, he could not have been less bothered. Okay. One thing was said out loud to me in this whole uh, Mishkaus here. And it was, I had had like an empty soda bottle. So there's not trash cans on the train. So you're drinking something, you got to kind of wait till you get off. And so I'd done that. And obviously, in the uh, loss of consciousness, I had let go of that. And it had rolled in front of a gentleman to my right who saw that I was had regained my somewhat faculties. And while I was still on the ground, picked up this empty soda bottle, handed it to me, and said, You dropped this. Okay, and then immediately went back to staring forward. <laughs> okay, and not being very bothered.
1: But he was looking on his phone for like what to do when someone loses consciousness. Apparently not. No.
0: Okay. Yeah, it was a weird moment of realizing I would moved from a small southern town to City of Chicago. My first thought getting back was, oh no, I hope no one called the, you know, an ambulance or something because hey, yeah. it's a little embarrassing to explain. No, sir, you can breathalyze me because I'm not actually drunk. I just hit myself in the elbow with my water bottle and went down like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> right. But uh luckily, that was not the case.
1: Well, now, see, if you were telling this story to someone from Chicago, and you said, I woke up, I had all my money in my pocket, so... Doing you know, pretty good. Pretty good. Doing pretty good. They, they'd say, yeah, this is, this is a great episode. He
2: yeah, made out like a bandit,
1: bro. This is a great city.
0: Yeah, not not gonna lie, got off the train at the next stop, Uh, and waited, had to do the walk of shame over and onto the next platform that was going back the way I wanted to go Okay. and immediately checked my phone and that everything was in my wallet and did have that thought of, oh, well, yeah, that, that didn't go nearly as bad as it could have. Well, see, that's <laughs> uh, you got to
1: look at the positives, Matt.
0: So if you wondered yourself, dear listener, gentle listener of this show, why is it that Matt has the hosting and asking the questions role? and the rest of the guys tend to do the life advice role. Well, this little uh this little episode here is a pretty good example. <laughs> well, of why the division of labor is such as it is. Here's
1: what here's what it is is um basically you got what you, what you have here is a Greek tragedy.
2: Oh, oh wow, okay. Oh.
1: Because uh, the
0: spiciest of tragedies.
1: Like in uh, Greek mythology they had Achilles. Okay. They did. And it, I, I don't remember the story. He was dipped it, in
0: the river Styx by his mother.
1: That, it, But she held on to his heels. Yes. Mm.
0: Hence the Achilles heel.
1: And so that was the only part of him that you could mess with. Aha. Uh-huh. You know, is you, you get him in the heel. Sure. Because everything else is, you know, bulletproof. Well, we've basically got the same situation here. Sure. Okay. We know how to take out Matt. His, His only weakness, as far as we know, he's we know. he's perfectly, you know, uh, uh, can't be taken out any other way. Sure, absolutely. But bang him on the elbow, that's boom! That's it. Sack of potatoes.
0: Yep, just went down. Like took a shot in the mouth from Sonny Liston. Just stumbled down, and uh, here, here's and there's, there's, there's a parable in here about a very peculiar type of op- positivity and optimism that yeah. I think. All of us in the Chicago branch of the show share, which is my first thought was, well, I could have fallen into that gap between the train and the platform. Yeah. That didn't happen. It was a pretty good night.
1: Yeah. <laughs> now, the, again, I think what, what what's interesting about this story is if you're from Chicago versus from anywhere else, you're hearing this in a very different way. Yeah. Uh, having- this is a
0: story of people respectfully, poignantly, and wonderfully minding their damn business. Right.
1: Well, now, and I, let's just say this, I've been on the L train, yeah. and if I had fainted on the L train, it, and I come to, there's no part of me that would be embarrassed. No. I Normally, I would anywhere else, but on sure. the L train, that's just a, that's a typical Tuesday. Sure yeah. Right. I would be horrified that I was on the
0: ground
1: on yeah. the L train for that any was... period of time.
0: There have been several showers in the last twenty four hours. I would I would have just I liked that pair of pants, but they're not in the rotation anymore. Yeah.
1: I think I'd need to just Full body Purell on that, you know, just, just go ahead. And, I don't know if they sell it in like a gallon jug, but just pour it over myself. Let it really soak into the pores. Well, oh, I
0: just bought it at the nearest Walgreens. and just started slathering it on right there in the yeah, store. Yeah,
1: yeah, Don't wait till you get home. It's been it a is, long night, uh, miss. I'm just gonna. Don't yeah, mind me. I'll just be right me. here. I'm just going to pre-Purell myself on the way to a full home Purell
0: situation.
1: Yeah, yeah. Cause that's uh, yeah, that's horrifying.
0: That's it's pretty horrifying. Yeah. So uh today, the the the, preview, the day after has been a, a series of why does my shoulder hurt? Oh, it's because I fell down onto a metal floor. <laughs> mm. So it's like you know, people who have we we you know a lot of people with the bridge and our lives, and just people we've been friends with who they went through their their years of the ripping and running with maybe the, the alcohol and the drugs, and they have their. There, I woke up in this crazy place, story, or, you know, I broke this arm, whatever. And mine's like that, except I can't put my water bottle away. Right. That was, uh, it wasn't so much hard drugs as, uh, the dangers of hydration.
1: Well, I think, uh, what we've learned here is somebody was trying to get fancy. Okay. The old fancy water That's bottle.
0: It's true.
1: Could have, you know, you could have shared my
0: water in a sack, like the good people.
1: That's salt right. of the earth. <laughs> You get a brown paper bag, you put your water <laughs> bottle in it. That's yeah, you how just, you do it. You just
0: scoop it out of the creek with your hands and carry it around in your hands all day.
1: Either that or you know, you get like the old school lunch pail. Oh, yeah. nice soft edges. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is... Uh, but we've been on a journey here. Sure. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, you know, we uh, we went to the Pikachu movie. We, sure. We were, we were with the girlfriend and everything. Indeed. And we we had tragedy, but we made it home safe.
0: Yes, indeed. And After then, missing our train stop a second time because we were still a little woozy from the first time, and uh, had to had to do another another lap around the loop. <laughs> it, it took a while to get home, is what I'm saying. <laughs> wow. Yes.
1: Well, I you know I uh, do you feel like there are any lingering ill effects? I mean, do you like smell toast now or wow? Because uh, that'd be pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, no, no. I'm hoping it goes the other way, and this is the, the world's worst superhero origin story. Yeah. But I developed some kind of atomic elbow. Yeah, yeah. Right, have kind I, of Dusty Rhodes mold.
1: You, you, This is what it is. I'm just throwing it out there. Please do. If you don't like it, you send that right back, okay? Superhero, when he's on a train, he's invulnerable. Okay? Oh. Gets off the train. You know, he's the regular schmo. His
0: his powers are are, are not useful in large parts of the United States of America.
1: I'm talking about Train Man. Train Man. You know what I mean? He rides on the train. Now, if anything goes down anywhere else, you know. He can't help you. Call somebody else. Okay.
0: But but people tied to railroad tracks are, that problem is over.
1: Dude, if something goes down on the train, in Chicago, there's a lot going down on the train. That's true. There's forms of uh, commerce, there's gambling, there's all kinds of activities, uh, you know. I've heard that. And uh, Train Man's gonna sort it out.
2: I would read that comic, I'm not gonna lie. Totally. Uh,
1: I would too. Uh, I don't think that says a lot about the level of taste that you and I have. in nope. In the uh, graphic novel media.
0: Well, it's, it's better than the the other alternative for the superhero uh, thing here, or the story we have here, which is you've got a lot of your you know your big superhero genre of Animal and then man or woman. Right. So just, yeah. yeah. You got your Batman's, your Spider Man's, your Ant Man's. maybe yeah, yeah. And I, I don't want to be fainting, Goat Man. That's not. <laughs> those aren't good powers. Well, that's, that's uh, not.
1: It, well, it's it's the you know, but that's in, now. Let me ask you a question. And this is please do. This is maybe only slightly related to having seen the Shazam movie. Ah. That was a great documentary, right there. Yeah. Solid stuff. When you uh fainted. Uh huh. And went into did I'm assuming there was some form of trance. Sure. And did you meet a wizard?
0: Oh, I have met wizards on the train before. Well, let me phrase that. I've met people wearing wizard hats on the train before. <laughs> right. But you, no, this was you not certainly one of those seen people
1: with a cape on. Oh on yeah. a train. So I mean, let's you know, let's, and they
0: know how to make an exit.
2: Yeah, that's right.
0: This is my stop. Swoosh. <laughs> yeah, Walk. That's exactly. that's yeah. what we're going for. And we're having. Yeah. A, Where
2: did that pipe organ music come from? That's just impressive. <laughs>
1: But so, so you so you didn't meet some form of wizard when no. you went on your fainting vision If quest. I did,
0: I was certainly uh, deemed unworthy and sent back.
1: Well, the, maybe maybe that's what happened was you didn't pass the test, so you don't even know. Oh. Think about it like that. Yeah. yeah. Here, here's what you got to do. You got to get back on that horse. Now yeah. Here's what I'm going to prescribe. You get back on that L train. Yeah. You get your water bottle. <laughs> you bang yourself right straight in the elbow. <laughs> you go down like a dead carp. Okay. You come to in the netherworld. You pass that test. That's right. You keep going. you get tempted with you. by
0: them statues.
1: Hey, you know what? This is not a time for quitters. No, nah, man. I mean, we're talking about wizard powers <laughs> here.
0: Yeah. Bearded Jaimon Hansu has a quest. <laughs> Let's is get on exactly <laughs> it.
1: Exactly what I'm talking about.
0: She's having a pretty good box office. It wasn't like Avengers level. I'm hoping the people. Sh- her, saw the Shazam because these are good Shazam jokes. Uh, I enjoy they
1: are. them. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's what you gotta. Because then you you got you'll have the powers.
0: Yeah, that's, that's no no doubt about that. For for now, I just have a sore elbow and what I'm led to believe is a emotion that other people call shame. That, <laughs> through working for Glenn and Jed for several years, I have lost the ability to process. Welcome. You
1: you don't miss it.
0: Nope. And with that, we will declare emergency off. Now, one thing we certainly have no shame about is our bridge box service. and a matter of fact, quite proud of it. It comes out every month, directly to your inbox with songs, sermons, Bible studies, and the like. We are still in the month of May where we're looking at how do I build better relationships. Lots of fantastic stuff on that. If you want to check that out, missionusa.com slash bridgebox to sign up. All right, we're going to jump to our first question here. It comes in anonymously. If you hang out with us all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways to get in touch with this, or you can scroll down into your episode description wherever you're playing this and find the links there. First question says, "Thank Thank you for episode 367 of Say That, where Jed was mentioning the through line. Could you guys elaborate more on that? How do you find the line that runs through most of your struggles or problems? It's the first time I've heard of this notion, and it was super helpful advice. Thanks, guys. Thank you to your question asker. So, if you did not uh, listen to episode three sixty seven, if you're the kind of person that says I want to make sure that this podcast has some staying power, I start on episode three sixty eight, or I don't start at all. Yep, that's fine. We we applaud that. Um, so what we're talking about is someone who was, I believe, it was their uh, significant other was going through some some depression, some issues, and Jed mentioned the idea in uh, discipleship and counseling that we do of searching for a through line, searching for a main theme that runs through a number of these issues as a way to kind of start figuring out what we need to look at. And Jed, where would we go about expanding on that?
2: Well, we love follow-up questions. This is a great follow-up question, and we love follow-up questions generally. So if you hear stuff on the show and you'd like to hear more about it, uh, please let us know. If you hear stuff and you don't want to hear more about it...
0: Email the liturgists.
2: (laughs) So um, the idea of a through line, uh, right? So the way that I would encourage you to look at this and approach it is to say for each symptom or outward behavior that a person is exhibiting, the question we want to ask is what might be behind that, right? So the first thing is that uh, around Christian stuff, we have a way of focusing on the final linkage in the chain, which is an externally visible behavior that we don't like. Um you know um that could be a person who uh drinks too much, and so the the thing that we want to talk about is well you you got to stop drinking or throttle back on the drinking or something but we we want to fix that outwardly visible behavior, but we very rarely ask where is that coming from? what is driving that is is this a person who Has a genetic genetic predisposition to compulsive behavior that's manifesting with alcohol? Is this a person that's um, going through a rough time and they're self-medicating with alcohol? Christians very often don't ask those questions. They say, you just got to stop this thing that you're doing. What we're encouraging you to do is to kind of list off a bunch of externally visible behaviors and start asking, what's driving that? What's the thing that's behind it? And look for a sense of overlap. So we can, we can go through an example, a little bit of a case study together. So suppose that you had a person that you had some kind of ministerial relationship with, and they cuss a lot, and they're really negative, and they're kind of lazy. Those, those are the three kind of externally visible things that, that are going on. Well, the Jed first-
0: is describing three out of three co-hosts of this podcast. <laughs>
2: Well, the first thing that, that I think in general around a lot of church stuff they would do is, they say, well, they just write that person off. It's kind of a ne'er-do-well, it's a, that's a person with struggles is who that is. So we, we don't really want to think about what any of that might be at all. We're just going to kind of say, well, that's not, that's not First Church of Wheaton material, so we're just going to let that person go. All right. We don't want to do that. Thing by thing, we, again, we want to ask what might be behind that behavior. Again, there's a certain amount of guesswork, a certain amount of conjecture, and it's definitely a lot of asking the Lord to give us eyes to see and help us understand. But so let's take cussing first. So cussing could be any number of things. The, the an immediate thing is anger. Um, uh, this is an angry person, and cussing is the avenue through which they express their anger. That's that's an option. Uh, a, another option would be, this is a person who wants to be provocative. They they want to get a rise out of people. They They want to be thought of as um a bad boy and this is the means through which they're going to do that a third one is this is a person with a lot of frustrations in their life and so cussing is the vehicle through which they're trying to bleed off some of the tension of those frustrations all right that's cussing we set that aside for a second now let's look at negativity you got a person who just they're they're always kind of making negative comments they kind of have a negative view of the world what might be driving that okay a few things a few possibilities the first is this could be a person that's struggling with a certain amount of uh, depressive thought life, and that's, you know, that could be a, a medical condition. It could be any number of things, but, but some form of depression, that, that could be an example. Um, this could be a, a person where they have kind of an identity thing where they're trying to differentiate themselves from the people around them by always taking the anti-position um, there's plenty of people that do that if you kind of look for it. So um, if they're around positive people, they always find the negative angle so they have a way of standing out. That's an option. And then a third might be this is a person who feels really discouraged in their life. And the the negativity, again, is kind of a way of, of bleeding off some of that sense of discouragement and frustration that they're dealing with. Now, if you're listening intently, you might note that there's an option with cussing and negativity that's almost the same thing. There, there could be one thing that would drive both of those behaviors. Now let's look at laziness. All right, what could be driving laziness? Well, of course, the immediate uh, churchy answer is lack of moral character. So that, that, that's an option. That, that could be there. It could be a person who just doesn't feel very motivated in their life. They just don't think anything's really going to go anywhere. So, you know, why bother? It could also be a person who's kind of exhausted, Uh, Maybe they have things that are really, really draining them and they just don't have a lot of energy and a lot of gas in the tank to do much. All right. The funny thing is there could be any number of things driving each of these behaviors, but when we map them out, what we kind of land on is a person who's a bit frustrated, maybe a bit stressed out, maybe doesn't have enough rest in their life, maybe doesn't have enough balance in their life, that person would easily uh, resort to cussing and negativity And laziness as ways to deal with that frustration and that overabundance of stress and that lack of rest and that lack of balance. Those would be behaviors that would totally go along with that underlying underlying reality. So if we suspect that that might be the case, we can ask some diagnostic questions with that person. We can and should pray about it. We can kind of look for some other evidence. Because if this is a person who's kind of stressed out and has too much on their plate and whatnot, there would probably be these other signs I could look for. We can start looking for them. We will probably find them. But now, if we can put all that together, what that means is the the real thing this person needs is more balance in their life. They need more rest in their life. They need better coping skills as it results to stress. They don't need someone telling them to cuss less, and they don't need someone telling them to look on the bright side, and they don't need someone telling them, well, just work harder. That's what God would want. The, none of those things, which are the immediate things we want to do with those final external behaviors, they don't need any of that. They need someone helping them get a life that's lower stress or better manage stress, a life with more rest and a life with more balance. So that's a, 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 a appreciate you hanging there with me. That's kind of a case study of how you would find a through line with a person.
0: Absolutely right. I think it's a really fantastic breakdown of this whole thing. And Glenn, let's, I'd love to get you to zoom in on a particular aspect of this. And this will yeah. apply if someone is in a counseling situation or a situation where they're talking to this with a friend, a significant other, a family member. But it's also a thing we can do for ourselves, which is Jed mentioned that step of we're asking some questions. We're interrogating this. We're looking for these, for these things to fall through. What does that look like? What does that process actually look like when we're filling in some of those gaps, well, I think part of
1: the the thinking what we're really, really really talking about is how to help diagnose what's going wrong with other people. They're having a struggle and they're trying to tell us about their struggle, and so there's going to be a spiritual element to the solution to this, no question about it um but the the tools that we use to 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 figure out what's going on here. Uh, are are a little bit difficult for us to 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 suss out. Here's the problem that we often get into: is we get into a, a thinking, and I think Judge's really building up to this point of I want to give the right answer. So uh, as 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 one would do in school. Yeah. So someone says I'm lazy. I know a Bible verse on that right now. Consider the ant, you sluggard. That's it. Boom. Nailed it. Correct. I it, I bibled it. It's 100 percent correct. It, it, we're done here. You know,
0: Jed has been called into the human resources office because we're not sure if Slugger does some kind of slur or not. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing is when we when you look at it the way uh, Jed is is describing it here, we're talking about multiple different problems, and if you're trying to get the right answer, the more complicated the problem the harder and more frustrating it is for you to try and give that right answer. I don't know. I, you're, you're giving me a thousand problems. I have to give you a thousand smart answers. This is tough for me, so don't tell me all this. You know That's what it comes down to. But we're talking about taking the reverse viewpoint of that and saying rather than trying to get the right answer on it, I simply want to understand. So think of it this way, if I could give you a, a, a physical way of thinking of it. Uh, imagine it's a puzzle. I take a, a a box that has puzzle pieces in it, and I dump them out on on the table. And I just take one piece out and I set it on the table. It's not you, you don't know what this is a picture of so far. You have a very very small vague idea, but if I keep putting things pieces and I fit them together, or maybe we together. We oh I think this one kind of goes with that and whatever. And you eventually a picture emerges of what's going on here. So that's, if you're in a counseling situation with me, that's the way I'm mentally doing it myself, is I have a bunch of random, seemingly disconnected pieces of information this person is giving me, and I'm looking for how do they fit together and what sort of picture emerges from that. So, that's a it's a cooperative thing that's something i'm doing with the other person we're we're talking about what does this fit with that and how do these things go together and we're beginning to get a picture of what's going on so it's not a million problems it's a a million pieces to one puzzle and then it all comes together so i'm i'm simplifying radically a very complicated thing this is good because we don't want to come to people who have complicated lives and say, ah, your problem is too complicated. You know, boil it down for yeah. me. That's that's a bad process. Also, people who are in these problems can't reach those kind of conclusions or, or can't reach the right kind of conclusions, correct sort of conclusions, insightful conclusions, because they're having the, the problem. that They wouldn't be coming to you with this if if that was the case. Uh, In fact, a huge chunk of the, the, the problems that I uh, deal with in counseling situations, if I'm talking to pastors about professional stuff, it's a similar kind of thing where they'll they come along and say, you know, I think my strengths are this and my weaknesses are that. And 90% of the time, they're off on both. So it's about taking that and sort of recasting it. Give me, give me these details again. I'll show you how they fit together, and we'll see what sort of picture that paints. Uh, so this is about looking at cause and effect, really, and having that mentality of uh, uh, everything that Jed's describing is, I don't want to be dealing with the symptoms of this problem. I don't want to be do- dealing with the root cause. That means looking for a root cause. And uh, again, l- you know, uh, taking a lot of stuff that I know an easy answer for and looking for a deeper, m- more nuanced, s- smaller problem that's underneath is not what Christians really excel at. That's not that's not what they're usually looking to do. And I think that that takes us to uh the idea of uh of uh sort of a having an Occam's razor kind of view to this, you know, this uh, Occam's razor being that uh the, you know this the simplest uh uh possibility is the most likely possibility. The uh, simplifying uh complex situations down into what's the most, you know, reasonable conclusion, because, you know, what happens with people when they get stuck and when they need counseling is in this, and I'm talking about in marriage, I'm talking about in, in professional stuff and in, in just, you know, mental health stuff, they come with a situation where they're saying, okay, I, I have all of these complicated problems, but I've, I'm pointing to a totally different solution or a different cause to that. I'm connecting these dots in ways that don't work out and don't make sense and they create this overly convoluted nature of what's driving all of this and uh, for us it's about reexamining all those things and simplifying you know you know in other words my boss is a jerk at work and i hate my boss and whatever okay you're also exhausted is that related i mean your boss may be a jerk but you're you're experiencing your boss as a jerk on a much more intense level is that related to the fact that you're exhausted? You, uh, you're, you're, you're having a hard time concentrating on this thing you're trying to figure out. Is that because you're exhausted? I mean, exhausted may you know th- th- that doesn't mean the boss isn't a jerk and this isn't a challenging thing to figure out and what have you. We're not talking about taking away sympathy. We're not talking about uh, taking away a, a sense of caring. We are, we're talking about deepening a sense of understanding. and The more we get that deeper place of understanding, the more healing we can bring into a person's life.
0: That's absolutely right. And One thing I would close out by pointing out here about this idea of, and we're looking for uh, this this common thread, this, this idea of a through line in something, that is not necessarily something we can fix. In the sense of, we're not saying all, all the problems are tied to this one thing, so if you dig down to this one bit of childhood trauma, this one uh personality trait, and just fix that, then all the dominoes fall, and we don't have any problems anymore. uh we're talking about so in in the example Glenn's giving here of you're just someone who's just you are exhausted now, you have all these problems in your life. We're looking at this through line that's making all of that worse, and is the thing that's going to take you out. My boss is being a jerk, okay, maybe your boss is kind of a jerk. It's the fact that you're exhausted all the time that's going to make you snap at him and get fired. So that's what we're trying to fix. Where you going to go to Jay's example of, you know, if you find something that's behind someone who's cussing and negative and lazy and it's a certain mindset, it's not so that we can tell the person, now I found the thing that I can tell you, just don't do that. And it'll fix all your problems. It's when we find something like that in a situation or in a, in a, a way we look at something, that's so we can know. We look at something and know, okay, this looks like this, but I know I tend to have a problem with things in this direction. So let me slow down. Let me ask someone else. Let me look at this. So we're talking about f- fixing through rounds. We're not talking about, you know, kind of pulling the, the one Jenga piece that makes everything fall down. Or Glenn used a puzzle analogy, which is great for what he was talking about, where well, we're not talking about that. This is the last piece of the puzzle and we're done. And we just deal with that now. We're talking about understanding. If it's someone we counseling, it's their behavior. If it's ourselves, it's our own behavior, so that we have that understanding when we go in to the challenges and problems and the situations that are inevitably going to keep coming up as we move forward in life. All right, that was a lot of great stuff on that. We're going to move to our second question here. Comes into our Tumblr inbox and it says, Hey guys, with the recent abortion bill passed and the fallout that came with it, what would Jesus do? I'm struggling because I want to see abortions lessen or stop. But this seems to be a blind and horrible way to go about it. How can I be loving and wise with all this conflicting info and with both sides so viciously against each other? I feel like a teeny mouse in a den of angry lions, in danger and ineffective. And we thank you very much for the question and for that very poetic and poignant analogy at the end, which I think describes the way a lot of people feel. So, um, obviously, we're not particularly interested in making this podcast a forum for litigating how we feel, uh, abortion laws in any state or the country should go. We've answered questions about abortion before. If you want to go find those to get our thoughts on that kind of as an issue, you can go ahead. But Glenn, I'd love to just talk about it. To me, this is all really isn't that last line there's a lot of people who are angry about stuff. There's a lot of people who are putting out a lot of let's be kind and say selectively edited, which yeah. in some cases is code for totally made up information about stuff. But how do we navigate that in a in a functional way? What I like about what our friend is asking here is I they're not asking what should be the thing I post on Facebook about this, but there's there seems to be a lot of people who are super upset. Jesus talks about peacemakers and loving people and caring for people. So where do we start with all that with something that's sticky?
1: Well, for sure, uh, we, we stay out of politics on this podcast, and we're going we're gonna to do that on this. Uh, we, can, we can comment on politics as a concept, and we can po- comment on how politics affects our lives and our, our spiritual lives in particular. Uh, I think uh, it's important to recognize that uh, from where I'm sitting, politics shouldn't be telling me what's right and wrong. That should be my pastor. That should be my spiritual advisor.
2: Your Uh, sacred
1: text. Exactly. Um, And a lot of people get their sense of right and wrong from their politics, and that's insane. Because those people— And
0: it switches quite often. uh,
1: Look, I've I've got good close buddies of mine who are politicians, and uh, I love them. I tell them what's right and wrong. They don't tell me. Okay, that's how that works. Um. Politicians should be focused on what's smart, and that's rarely taking place. That's why politics sucks, uh, and that's why you're frustrated with it. Perhaps um, the the other thing, the, the part of the reason why I say that is, um, uh, it's important to recognize that in American politics, in, in modern American politics. We take problems that should not be political and make them political, and the dumbest possible stuff emerges from that. And I think we had to really look at, should this be a political issue? You know, if it's environmental science, you know, we, clean air should be the thing all human beings agree we all want. Now, many different ideas on the smart way to deal with it, and that, there's your politics and we can we can have lots of cool debates on what's the smartest way to have clean air that's I'd love to hear all about that but somehow we get we get on a tug of war on some people on this side and some people on that side of clean air i mean it's just it's it's crazy uh but uh, you know uh, we're in a world uh our day job involves working with guys and gals behind bars and uh, you know, criminal justice is something we're very aware of. We know how it works. We see it, the ins and outs of it. It's been a political issue for the past 20 years or so. And it's been a parade of the dumbest, most expensive, least effective solutions you can possibly imagine. And that's left, right, and center. That's every, politics on all sides. As they've all gotten together, and they've made it a million times worse and spent way too much money, and it's all been insane. So, uh, you know, uh, some of us just pray that that no longer becomes a political issue so we can just get to doing something sensible. Uh, so when it comes to this kind of stuff and what is politics doing to it, it's just making it dumber and worse for everybody. I think if you if you onboard that thinking, it might help you navigate your response to this. In other words, I think you—I'm you, I'm gathering from what you're saying here— is that you don't want to be part of the politics on this? You just want to be on something smart and good and healthy and right and 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 godly. Uh, uh, and I think part of that is just, you know, disconnecting yourself from the politics of it altogether. There are two sides in this, and I don't know that we've clearly articulated what those two sides are. And again, I'm not talking from a a political perspective, but I can speak from a criminal justice perspective. There are people who believe we should punish people in a criminal sense for getting abortions. That's one side. And the other side is people who think we should reduce the number of uh, 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 demand for abortions that are legally available, and that they should be legally available, and then we should just simply reduce the demand on that. Those are the two sides of this debate. You can get on the Google and figure out who to vote for based on those. That's between you and Google and the Lord and your your, your voting inclinations. But <clears throat> Americans have a funny way of thinking if we make it illegal, we stop it. Uh, again, Unless it's
0: something we like, in which case, don't <laughs> bother making it illegal because that wouldn't matter. Yeah. See, guns. <laughs>
1: exactly. This is the... Again from a criminal justice perspective, you don't stop behavior by making it illegal. That does not happen. And I, I, I people are very naive about that. They're very uh, un, unfocused and un, unconcerned about that. It's important for you to recognize you can make it illegal or you can reduce it. You can do both of those at once, of course. But you're 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 you, a you don't have a political party that's focused on both of those things, but you also should recognize that there is a lot that you can do about this situation that has nothing to do with this political issue. And I, I encourage you to go in that direction with it, because that's really where I want to land on here. I, I, I love the, the, the analogy here. You feel like a tiny mouse in a den of, of angry lions. Here's the thing. Uh, here, here in, in in the world in which we live, here are the mice, so to speak, and here are the lions, uh, to, to extend your analogy. The mice are the people talking about it. That's all they're doing. That's all, it's not important. What, what is said on TV is not important. What's said in, in blog posts is not important. What is said in uh, the, you know, the halls of the legislature is not important. What's important, and, and, and these are the lions, uh, To again, to extend your analogy, People getting something done, yep. caring for people. If you are working in a uh, a, a, a shelter, if you're working uh, with uh, battered women, if you're uh, working in a crisis pregnancy center and you're helping uh, women get uh, uh, meds that they need for uh, their their, um, their prenatal meds, if you're helping them uh, learn how to care for their children—we've got organizations like that here in Chicago— uh, I'm sure you have them in your town. You can find them. You can volunteer with them. You can help them out. Uh, there's lots that we can do for uh, uh, children, uh, children's programs in inner city areas where they're helping kids get good preschool education and those kinds of things, uh, good um, daycare opportunities and so forth. There's a million things you can do. And that makes you big. That makes you important. That is real. Everything else is just talk. And talk doesn't really count.
0: I think that's a fantastic, fantastic place to start this off. And Jed, I'd love to to get you to pick us that idea of I uh the sides. Yeah. So there's a couple of sides and you gotta pick one, apparently. Sure. And I think that can definitely um speak to the the feeling of being surrounded by people who are yelling and being caught in the middle, kind of feeling somewhat powerless. It's the idea of kind of as Glenn's saying, uh there's this false uh false choice and false promise that you will feel great about this once you pick a side, Never mind the fact that a lot of people on some of these sides are uh, profoundly miserable and not affecting the thing in any way. So how do we deal with this idea of I got to be on somebody's side?
2: Well, you don't, Ah, you don't, you don't have to pick a side. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what I do. And if it's useful to you, you can keep it. And if it's not Chuck it, but, um, I'm on the side of the least of these. Um, I'm not on the side of the left or the right. I'm on the side of the least of these. Yeah. Um, that, that includes, um, uh, unborn children. It also includes born, but uncared for children. Um, and well, it,
0: Jed, why don't they get a job?
2: <laughs> Apply that to either, either
0: group he described, depending on how much on Rand you have read.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, man, I, I wanted to have like a witty retort to that, but that was so perfect. I just, I can't. Thank you. Thank you. I'm on the side of unwed mothers. Um, I am on the side of people who are in need. I'm on the side of foster kids. Uh, I'm on the side of needy families. I am on the side of the least of these. That is the side that I am on. And just like Glenn is saying, uh, the way that you can tell that I'm on that side is I'm doing something about those situations. Um, I am investing my time and my resources in doing something in some small way to make the lives and the experience of folks that are the least of these better. That's the side I'm on. And I'd encourage you to be on that side. Again, you, you make your own decision. We're not going to tell you what to do, but that's what I do. And I'd encourage you to think about that. I think it's worth looking that not only are people pressuring you to be on a side and they are, and you don't have to do that. They're also pressuring you to demonstrate your allegiance in a certain way. And the way they want you to demonstrate your allegiance is to be upset and outraged and angry. And those are terrible ideas. They're absolutely terrible ideas. Uh, Let's be clear on something, because uh, this has really, really been lost um, in, in our current climate. Here are quotes from the Bible, an authoritative holy book if you're a Christian. Be anxious for nothing. Do not worry about tomorrow. Man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Let's stop there. Actually, we got to add in one more because it comes up literally hundreds of times in the Bible. Do not be afraid. Just let that sit for a second.
0: But what if I, through a series of emotionally maladaptive behavior, let all my fears manifest as anger? That's cool, right? (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. Here's the thing. I'm not talking about folks that that have legitimate um, struggles with areas of mental health. If you've got a struggle with anxiety... We're working on that with a doctor. We may be working on a counselor. That's awesome. That's great. I'm not talking about people who have uh, fear struggles and that goes back to trauma in their life. And again, that's something that they're, they're working on with people. I'm not talking about folks who have anger that come from very difficult backgrounds, and that's something that they're working on. What I am saying is if you tune into media, whether it's online or on the TV or anywhere, that is constantly trying to make you afraid and worried and anxious and angry, that is the definition of unchristian. It is trying to get you to think and believe and behave in a way that God has told you he does not want you to do. It is trying to point you in the wrong direction. There's not a lot of way around that. And not only is it a thing that's counter to the life that God wants you to live, here's the really critical thing. It doesn't do anything. You being miserable and angry and afraid and upset does not make anyone's life better at all least of all yours least of all yours here's the only thing that all that unpleasantness does it keeps you watching that channel so they can sell advertising yeah that's the only thing it does you're being played dude don't give into that you being upset doesn't accomplish a thing i know there's a part of you because there's a part of me that feels like but if i get upset enough as if through magic it will accomplish something No, it won't. That's not how the world works, man. Here's what you can do. If you hear a story and you think this is awful and it's a grave injustice and I must do something, here's what you can do. You can vote, which you should do. It's a beautiful privilege and a right to be able to vote. You should exercise your vote. Um, You can call your congressperson and let your thoughts be heard. I think that's a great idea. Um, If you happen to have some disposable income and, and you feel like it's a good idea, you can contribute to a person's political campaign. But that's it. If you've done those three things, that's the extent of your ability to influence politics, dude. That, that, that's it. Also, you can do all of that in about five minutes. That's, and, and, then, and then you're done. What's left now is either pretending the bad things aren't going on or being upset for no reason or saying, I'm on the side of the least of these. I'm going to go find people who are hurting, going through rough time in my community, and I'm going to do something about it. That is what we choose to do. Um, We believe that's what the Lord would call all Christians to do, and we believe you will be happier and more satisfied, and the world will be a much, much better place if you go that direction.
0: Absolutely right. Um, This is all really fantastic stuff from these guys. And again, we we talk about this a lot on the podcast, but we we certainly want to be sure to hang hang a light on it, particularly in our current climate. You may have picked up that uh, those of us here on the podcast don't think a lot of politics as it's currently being practiced. Uh, some of us with disagrees don't really think much of politics as it's ever been practiced. Uh, one thing we want to say is we we are not interested and in not trying to uh, poo-poo or speak down to or, uh, you know, political organizing. If you want to get involved with a group and go to a protest and sign a petition at some year old, that's great. That's, you know, they're probably we're all old bitter men who would say that may have a limited utility, but there are certainly uh, certainly a lot of cases going around now of, you know, things like teacher strikes and demonstrations and stuff that, that's, that has an effect on policy. So it's great that you can do that. Those are tend to be few and far between as Jed's saying, unless you're someone who's a professional political organizer, most of your day-to-day activity is going to boil down to those three things he mentioned with maybe the occasional big issue popping up. You can't, be angry and have a big issue all the time. is just pointing out one thing I'm just going to, as, as, as both these guys said about all this stuff on the show, I'm going to throw it out there. You don't like it. You, 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 you just leave it on the side of the road there. But so in John eight, there's the story, which you've probably heard if You've been in church of the woman caught in adultery. And you have two groups in this uh, little story here. You have a woman who did something she should not have done. That is undeniable. No one in the story denies that you have a group of angry, self-righteous churchmen talking about how bad she is. And Jesus demonstrably, undeniably picks a side. Just something to keep in mind. You have a scared woman who did do something wrong, but is being dehumanized and used as a pawn in a much larger point to be made by a group of old churchmen who have all the power, who are kind of trying to advance their own thing, Instead of what Jesus says, if you draw any parallels, any situation in your own life or world, that's an interesting thing to think about, and you might want to read that story for yourself and realize where Jesus quite literally inserts himself on that. All right, we' move on to our final question here. It comes in anonymously, and it says, "I know that Jesus hears me, but it feels like I've asked him for so much. When I asked, he blessed me, but I didn't do what I told him I would. So how do I make things work this time and keep my?" promises to him. Glenn, let me get you kicks off here. Cause it's a good question. And it, there's so many questions we get um, into the podcast. There's a good idea in here. Yeah. There's an understandable idea in here, but there's somewhere in this premise. This is veered off Yeah, from, I haven't always, you know, I feel like I haven't always put my all into this and done well, but that kind of veers into how do I make sure I keep my promise to God? which right. sounds super holy. Mm. But maybe not so much.
1: Well, I I have uh, thoroughly researched uh, screwing up. Ah. So I'm the perfect person to answer this one. Uh yeah, I I've been here for sure. I've uh you know made my bargain uh with God and 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 let him down on the thing that he never asked me to do that I said I would do when he didn't ask me to do it and I didn't have the ability to stick with that promise. So yeah, I did that. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, God does not bargain with his creation. He doesn't bargain with you or me. There's nothing we'd really bring to that bargain. Uh, uh, God uh, doesn't uh, need some... Uh, uh it's it's not some form of currency that he can spend on something <laughs> if you behave yourself. Hey God, here's a hundred
0: Glenbucks. <laughs> yeah, it's I just... mean he created the universe and then sent his own son, who is also in a way we could never fully understand himself to die as substitutionary atonement. But also, you know, I'm doing pretty good. So I'm yeah. helping. I'm throwing something in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. Just throw my little bit in the pot.
1: Yeah, no, you're not. Uh it means nothing. Uh that's not that's not it. Uh, you behaving is actually not uh, the thrill for God that you might imagine that it is. It's not uh, you know, changing his whole outlook, just that you behave today. Mm. Uh, that's, uh, it, that's a misunderstanding of uh, this situation. God is pleased when we live a more righteous life because we are less miserable, and yeah. he loves us, and he wants us to be less miserable uh if you don't understand that element of that of of this thing don't make don't try and put any deals together uh, any uh, hot negotiations together really just let's focus on the basics uh god doesn't bargain with us what he offers us is a covenant and a covenant is a fancy uh word that we use in church but it just means uh, an agreement with a promise in this case the agreement is, as, as uh, Matt was just pointing out, Jesus pays the price for all the things that we do wrong in our lives. We accept that into our lives. We accept that payment. We are set free from the penalty of our sin, and uh, we enter into a love bond with God. We, we accept that, and we, out of love and out of thankfulness for that, live, let him be Lord. Let him call shots in our life. That part is a process, obviously, and it uh, is currently early in the process of my life and quite messy. But it's it's getting a lot of uh, I'm putting a lot of zest and verve into it, and it's something. So there's that. But I would never look at my uh, amount of obeying of his uh, leadership in my life and say. That's that's pretty good. So why don't you kick in a little something for me? That's not how that works. I'm already getting way better than what I would, you know, bargain my way into or something because I have salvation. So this is this is an unfair, unequal, uh, unbalanced thing. So I can't go in and with the attitude let me bargain up my situation here. That's that's crazy. Generally, what we do when we make promises is it's a lot of that, if you get me out of this or if you get me this thing that I want, Uh, let's also look at that part of it. Because in many cases, uh, this is coming from a guy who has gotten this wrong so many times. I just want to try and be humble in the way I'm answering that. But the things that I would go to God and say, you got to give me this, whatever it is, 85% of the time, that's the worst thing for me. The other 15%, not entirely advisable. And smaller and less meaningful than what God has for me. I'm trying to get to some form of settling. And uh, just let me get squared away, and I'll be fine, and I'll be out of your hair, Lord. God is not interested in that. He wants a dependent relationship where... He is sending me on wild adventures. I am hanging by a thread the whole time. I'm barely sanctified enough to pull this off. I am having to constantly go to him for uh, wisdom, for faith, for patience, for energy, for peace, and all the things I need in order to get this done. So this sense of, uh, of a dependency is then driving a mentality where I'm not going to God and saying, hey God here's my idea of what we should do now because that's not going to yield any good positive results, and it's not going to please God in any way, so in other words, I'm not going to go to God and say, okay i'm going to do this thing I want to do so that's 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 I'm not going to do your thing I'm going to do my thing, but here's what you get out of this: I tell you I'm going to behave and then probably won't. That's my bargain. What do you think? That'd be a real treat for you, Lord. <laughs> yeah, that time in
0: between. Want to be so full of promise and joy? Yeah, no. No, just be
1: me trying to get the thing, the small thing that I want instead of the big thing the Lord wants for me, while I screw up with it and uh, you know, learn this lesson the hard way. Um, I, I we need to get into a mentality as we grow where we're saying, God, here's the thing that I want. I just Feel like if I had this, it would be so great, and everything would be perfect. And if I just had this, I'd be squared away, and I'd be—I'll never bother you I'll, ever I'll, again. I'll just—you know what—I could shift it into neutral and just coast right on to heaven. That's my plan. Lay that out, put it on the table, and say, Lord, what's your plan? I—I've said what I want, and I'm—I'm I'm making my case, and—and and do it. The more you make your case with the Lord, the more you're gonna understand your own motivations. Some of this will sound crazy in your head. But I'm not just I'm not just coming down on that. There are some times when you want something and it's the exact right thing to want, but it needs to go in a slightly different direction. In other words, if you're saying, I just I wanna make a difference. I wanna, I I wanna be doing something. I just feel like if I need to be in foreign missions, and I need to go to a country far, far away and learn to speak an obscure language and live with the villagers and the thing. And you're building this case up. That's what I want. Lord, what do you want? The Lord might say, why don't we start a little closer to home, and why don't we start this week? Why don't we just start right now, go over to this place and say this thing to this person, and so on and so forth. In your mind, you're, you're... uh, you're laying out what you want but what you might be getting closer to is the underlying thing that's really driving this that you really want to make a difference it y- your idea is it has to be far away for it to count and god will show you that that in in this case that that wouldn't be the case that it doesn't have to be you're just that's a condition that you're putting on this that doesn't matter you know to to god there's no borders there it, God no place is far away for God. He's there wherever wherever you go. So I think having this mentality of understanding your motivations, making your case with the Lord and setting that on the table and saying, "Okay, Lord, what do you have for me?" You're going to get into a, 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 you're going to get out of a bargaining mentality and into one where you're wrestling with how do I actually follow God?
0: That's all really fantastic stuff. Great place to start. And Jed, let me just pick us up there. Cause I think uh, there's a lot going on in this question. Like, and Glenn was mentioning of a, something that's really on its way there and has just gotten a little sidetracked and needs to kind of be run around. Cause I think there is almost that through line we were talking about earlier underneath this. I think our friend who wrote in the question actually has a, it's coming close to a really good understanding of the dynamic, the healthy dynamic between them sure. and God, which is, I feel like he's done so much for me and I don't pull up my end of the bargain. And uh, that's kind of how we her. And then there's just that last little bit of, so I got to try harder to hold up my end of the bargain. Right. But if we go back a step and acknowledge it's going kind to of saying, yes, the, the, the deal is God does everything and you do nothing. That's, that's the, uh, the, uh, the covenant such as it is here. Where does a healthy and a helpful understanding go starting from there?
2: That's a great question. Well, I think I think let's start here, is that uh, I think God wants to give you a do-over. I think he wants to just wipe the slate clean and just give you a new day, and it's just we're, we're just going to start everything over. Uh, the Bible says that his mercies are made new every morning, which is such a cool concept. That's a really beautiful thing. But we have a way of trying to bring up all of yesterday's screw-ups to those new mercies. Um, and uh, there's not really a point in in doing that. Um, uh, he he's over it, uh, and the mercies are new. So, in fact, the Bible one of the phrases it uses uh, that's really amazing is it talks about God casting our sins into the sea of forgetfulness, which is an amazing thing. God is ready to fully let your screw ups go. He he really really is. I think the the thing that we have to ask is, are you ready to let your screw ups go? I think one of the things that holds us up is, in a weird way, um, we, a lot of us believe, and I think we've often seen this modeled in church, which is part of what reinforces it, I think we believe that an obsession with our screw-ups is part of what gives us our own unique identity and place in the kingdom. And it doesn't. Your sin is really boring, and so is mine. Your sin is really uninteresting, and so is mine. There's nothing like massively fascinating about it. You've screwed some stuff up. That's that's it. And so have I. So is every person on this podcast, and every person in your church, and every person who's ever lived. Um, the idea that you should be in a place where you kind of merit the blessings that you have—there's no such thing as that. None of us deserve the blessings that we have. Uh, that's not how blessings work. That's that's pay. Uh, this is a, this is a different thing. Um, uh, the Book of Romans actually makes that exact point, point. and it's worth noting. None of us uh, have been perfect stewards, like at all. None of us have been perfect stewards. We don't have any of those. Um, I think the thing that I have a guess, and, and you should talk to the Lord for your own self about this, but I have a guess that something that he would really like that would be really cool would be if we were open to just a little bit of improvement, not perfection, not getting everything right, not holding up our end of the bargain, but just a little bit. I mean, so little, it's hardly even noticeable, but just a little bit of improvement, a little bit of growth. That's, that's all we're going to worry about today, and then tomorrow, we'll deal with tomorrow. I'll give you an example of what I mean. Uh, a lot of businesses have a take your kid to work a day thing, which is really cool. You know, it's a day, you know, sometimes it's, you know, once a year, a couple times a year, where uh, you take little Sally or little Timmy to, with you to the office or the work site or whatever, and they can see what dad does, and it's, and it's really, really cool. OK, that's actually a good metaphor for God with us is that every day God is doing take your kid to work day and you're God's kid and he wants you to take you with him to the work site where he's doing cool stuff. And he'd like to the extent that you're able to, to be a part of it, to involve you in the cool things that he's doing. He's under no delusions and you shouldn't be under delusions that you're making that go. I mean, if, if Timmy's dad is a roofer and he's you know, helping him, you know, hold the, the box of pins, Timmy's not really building that roof. Um, but he got to be a part of it. I mean, Timmy's saying, I helped, which is great. You did. That's technically true. So if the first take uh, your kid to work day, you were actively making everything worse. Well, the next one, we try and make only a few things worse. That's growth. That's great. That's fantastic. I'll give you, this is a literal example that happened at the bridge of something I'm talking about. We have this kid's ministry. We have kids that come to the bridge. It's great. It's beautiful. We had one child who was a holy terror. I mean, he, he was always breaking something, banging something, yelling something constantly. He's a sweet kid. Comes to the end of, of, the, of the time, and we got to put away the toys. And the same kid that's been trying to make just bedlam and chaos uh, starts trying to put toys away. He's pushing them in the exact wrong direction. Um, one Pretty of us- much
0: to the altar, <laughs> just <laughs> a sanctuary. He decided these probably go front aisle, dead center.
2: <laughs> one of us was going to say something, and I believe it was Glenn said, "No, no, don't say anything. He's trying to help. No, nobody say anything and ruin it. Yeah. Just let him. Let he has that desire in his heart. He's trying to act on it. We
1: we finally got something going. To, he's trying to help everybody. Shut up. And just let him do it. <laughs> it's not he's gonna, it's, it's all wrong. But it just." He has a good desire. Just go with it.
2: Absolutely. I mean, really, to take us back to where Glenn started, dude, we all start this Christian walk as a complete hot mess. I mean, 100% tore up from the floor up, no idea what we're doing. The goal, my goal, my big, this is my life ambition. This is the thing. This is my dream is to be a 99% hot mess. I figure in a lifetime, we might be able to get 1% total improvement. And that would be a—I mean, I'm not close to that now, like, at all. Right. It's, you can't even really see it from where I'm at. But I believe it's possible. And here's the beautiful thing about the Lord is He's really patient, and He's really kind, and He's really gentle. And um, unlike the promises that we've all made to God that we couldn't keep and didn't exactly have an intention of keeping and didn't keep, both because we didn't have the intention and we couldn't and whatnot, God has a plan that takes into account the fact that you're kind of messed up and so am I. Uh, God has an account, has a plan to include you and include me and include Glenn, and include the rest of us, warts and all, screw-ups and all. Th- the thing that matters is submitting to that process. The thing that matters is letting him call shots. Where we get into trouble is where we want to define the terms of how all this will work and then ask God to sign off of, on it, as opposed to seeking out, Lord, what's your plan, what's your design, and how do I get on board with the thing that you're doing? From your question, you've got the heart to do that. You've got the desire to do that. It's just giving yourself permission to let the past go and one day at a time figure out how do I get on what God is doing and not vice versa.
0: Absolutely right. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. Take out the song this week. This is from our wonderfully talented friends, Pete and Tasha Lawson from the May edition of Bridgebox called Self-Control. Take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it.
1: To say that, podcast guarding you from a world of danger as long as it's on the L
3: train.
4: I didn't reload. New people didn't need me. They living so free. They living indeed. They even forgiven of me. They showed me what winning could be. They not depending on me. Yeah, they still wanted me around. She forgiver. They were never proud under their own power. You know they never tried to play the savior. Future they knew it was paid for. At the station with you, they wait for. Look at the flow and you see how it go. Get with the ones that let their mercy show. Gravity high to the low, they cheer you I've been divided, no peace, so that I sided with thieves When you abided with me, a wrong was righted. I see The song was right in its key The long enlightened, all the pain, is strong and higher than me To pinos cardiami, me. that means you humble and gentle How can you still be the king? Only one good father, it make me sing Only one good father, I kiss the ring Only one, no robber, to take my things Only one life offered, and ain't no strings Love ain't a babe. you can trap
3: me in